Grace, peace, and mercy be with you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ on this first Sunday after Christmas. Amen. The Sunday after Christmas seems to be sort of anticlimactic, don't they? Uh, I mean, we had this uh, four-week build-up to an anticipation for Christmas during Advent, uh, then Christmas Eve and Christmas Day when we sing, Hark the Herald Angels Sing and Joy to the World. Then comes the following Sunday. You know, Sunday never stops. And from where I'm standing, I feel like what more can be said about the birth of Jesus in Bethlehem? What more can I say? Well, if you've been tracking with us this whole time during Advent and the Christmas Eve and Christmas Day service, then today we can perhaps have a simpler meditation on the infant Jesus because I don't know about you, I'm a little exhausted from Isaiah's messianic prophecies. Now, don't get me wrong, it was a learning experience as well as a faith-building one for me, and I hope it was for you too. But I had to dig deeper into Isaiah in a way I hadn't done in a very long time. And the language and the imagery, you know, Assyria and Babylon... Jerusalem, exile, destruction, restoration, kings, the throne of David, Zion, you know, a, a month-long dose of all that, and I'm ready for some, you know, just give me Jesus in the manger. But I'll remind you, the whole point of looking at Christmas through the words of Isaiah was to be drawn to our Lord in a meaningful way by letting the Spirit expand our relationship with Jesus and his family history. After all, when you're adopted into a family, you learn about the people in the household that's welcomed you in, right? You experience life with them, and you grow in knowledge and experience together. As Gentiles, you and I have been adopted into the family, Israel. But remember, it's not just a people, it's Jesus because he's Israel in one person, and we are adopted into him. <clears throat> now, humanly speaking, I wasn't adopted by my parents. I know some of you were, but I do have some experience with foster children. When I was young, growing up at, at home in sunny uh, Los Angeles, my parents decided to open up our home to children in foster care. And I think at one point, we might have had seven kids in total, including my sister and I, in a, couldn't, been, couldn't have been more than a 1,500 square foot home. Now, whether you adopt or foster children on a temporary basis, the rules of the family are the same. Proper conduct and behavior is expected from everyone. And I remember my sister and I were not given any extra leeway by our parents over the foster kids if our behavior was out of line. Consequences and punishment for veering outside expected conduct was given, it was metered out equally. Think for a second about being welcomed into a family you know little about. Now, we know some children come from broken and troubled homes, and so there are some behavioral problems. But on the whole, 
you're not going to expect that the welcome, welcome <laughs> you're, actually, you're going to expect that the welcoming family is going to expect something of you, right? A certain amount of manners and self-control. Now apply this to the spiritual adoption we have as sons and daughters to the King of Israel, Jesus. What might our expectations of this family be? We know from several places in the Old Testament of our Bibles that God had Israel welcome the oppressed, the sojourners, ones who had lost their homes because at one time the Israelites themselves were sojourners. Strangers were to be welcomed even into Jerusalem, the walled and protected capital city of God's people. From what you know about the people Israel, do you think they had any expectations of conduct and behavior from those they welcomed into their homes and their lives? Stands to reason, doesn't it? These standards came from God Himself. They were His commandments. And many more commandments from Moses. Now, if you obeyed the rules of the family handed down by the Father Himself, you were brought into a relationship with the Creator of the heavens and the earth. You were made His child, and He would be your heavenly Father. If you broke the household's standards of conduct, there were consequences. You could be banished for a time, sent outside the city or outside the village, permanently or maybe temporarily, or you could be killed. What about Jesus, though? If the purpose of God's people Israel is drawing all peoples of the earth to be to, to the true God, and if if, if all that was assumed into one person, Jesus, then do expectations of the family still stand? Don't make me stand here in pain waiting for an answer too long, folks. Well, I, would, I, I wouldn't imagine you and I believe that we can just run around this earth doing, doing all the damage we want to people, ruining relationships, abusing people, abusing ourselves, taking advantage of people for our own gain. Oh, come on, we don't. We don't think we can really do that. We do enough of that already, fully knowing it isn't right, and there may be consequences if we haven't received them already. When, you've, when you're adopted in the family of God, however, there are some interesting things that happen. Again, humanly speaking, if you're a foster child, it's not likely you're going to be an heir to the family estate because your status as a family member is temporary. I mean, it, it can happen, and I suppose it has in, in history, but it would be the case more for the adopted child to be the heir, wouldn't it? Consider this incredible, incredible reality you and I have as adopted into God's Israel through Jesus, His Son, born for us, and you and I become heirs to the family estate. How amazing is that? Now, what's included in this estate? <laughs> Everything that is God's. Everything. That's too much to even comprehend. I mean, who, who could even list these things? I'm a space enthusiast, so I like to take heart that 
Maybe Mars becomes mine. And maybe one day I can stand on it and to enjoy it. I mean, will we be able to, be able to step on other planets in the universe? That's a fun thought, but I doubt it because the Bible doesn't say anything about that. And we were created to live on this planet. Uh, even after it's made will be made new again we're we're to be on the earth but you see the point right whatever is god's he gives to us now we won't become gods as he is god but we are his children and the day will come when we will meet all family expectations of conduct and behavior because when we're resurrected and made new again our hearts will be right with god and each other no more need for god's discipline and certainly no more consequences for sin, namely death. All the more incredible that Jesus' parents, Joseph and Mary, met the expectation of God's family when they brought their baby to the temple for purification. When Jesus was too small to follow the law himself, his parents advocated for him. They fulfilled the requirements of the law on his behalf reminds us of when we were baptized as children or if our parents had us baptized ultimately though as the fulfillment of Israel and the law the babe grew in wisdom and strength yet never had an issue with behavioral expectations of the family that we do what does the baby do then banish us do we die we deserve all that, but instead all violations of family conduct are erased because the babe of Bethlehem grew to become the man of Jerusalem. There he would take the punishment for our sin in our place and die a God-forsaken death in our place. What more is there to say about Jesus on the Sunday after Christmas? Well, he lives because he overcame death something we cannot do by ourselves. And because he overcame death, we, his heirs, inherit eternal life. That's good news we can hear every day. Amen.